podcast about uniform numbers. Here we break down the stories behind the numbers, talk about the all-time greats that made the numbers iconic, and give you our picks for the Uniform Number Hall of Fame. You can also hit us up at puttingupnumbers.com and give us your picks. I'm Tom Davis here in Los Angeles, and joining me from Dallas, he's hard like math and he's smooth like Kojak. They call him Listerine because he kills on contact. It's Rudy Klanick. Rudy, what's today's number? Today's number is number 77, 77. And we talked to one of the all-time great 77s, Carl Mecklenburg, which was a really interesting, fun conversation, great guy. But man, as we started jumping into 77, kind of, we've had this happen several times, but I think at first thought, 77 is like a nothing number. And then we get into it and you're like, holy moly, 77 is pretty cool. I mean, there's a lot going on in 77, both greatness (laughs) and kind of darkness, which we'll get to later, but it kind of kicks us off, I think, in the right direction. Yeah, we've got a ton yet again with number 77. As you mentioned, it was a surprise, kind of like 74, to be honest. But yeah, let's get Carl Mecklenburg in here. He's on the doorstep of being in the Hall of Fame. He's been a semifinalist 10 times. Hasn't been a finalist yet, but his stats don't really look Hall of Fame-like because he played inside linebacker and middle linebacker and defensive end and all over the place. So he's had a little bit of trouble sort of breaking through in that regard. But nonetheless, he's a very popular public speaker. He talks a little bit about his six keys to success in the interview. And he talks about two of the greatest nicknames of all time, the Snow Goose and the albino rhino. He won't, <laughs> he doesn't elaborate on what, why, how he got those names, which makes me really want to know the stories. But anyway, here's the two of us and the albino rhino, Carl Mecklenburg. Today's guest went from being a college walk-on and 12th round pick to a spectacular NFL career highlighted by three Super Bowl appearances. Carl Mecklenburg played 12 seasons for the Denver Broncos and was a three-time All-Pro and six-time Pro Bowler. He was one of the most versatile defensive players in the history of the NFL, sometimes playing all seven positions on the defensive front in a single game. Since retiring in 1994, he's become a popular public speaker and is the only former NFL player to earn the designation of certified speaking professional. He's a member of the Colorado Sports Hall of Fame, the Broncos Ring of Honor, and is a 10-time semifinalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We're excited he's here today. Carl Welcome to Putting Up Numbers. Thanks, Tom. Well, let's dive into it here. Number 77. How did number 77 come your way? Number 77 was the third number I got from the Broncos. When I first got to training camp as the 310th pick of the draft, I had the same number as a starter, which is not the number you want to have when you're a rookie (laughs) coming in. So partway into it, they switched my number. 77 was there. They gave me that number thinking I was going to make the team as a defensive lineman. And then two years later, they asked me to switch to linebacker. And they asked me to change my number again. And I said, my mom won't be able to find me on the field if we change it anymore. (laughs) We're going to leave it at 77. And that wasn't my college number or anything. It just... It's, I just kind of fell into it. It's got a great history in, in Denver. Lyle Elzado was number 77 and, sure. and was a real dominant player in the Orange Crush defense and a very uh, popular character in Denver lore. Yeah, for sure. I know in Minnesota, you wore number 74, which, of course, 
some great defensive players like Merlin Olsen and Bob Lilly were 74. Was there any significance by you wearing 74 in Minnesota? Now, once again, that was an assigned thing. I, I transferred from uh, Augustana College in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where I was number 93. And I was a college walk-on and that number was there. So they handed it to me and that's who I was. During your playing days, 77 was such a cool number for a linebacker. And Another guy I know, a Miami Dolphin, A.J. Dewey, I believe, wore 77. And he was kind of similar where he was a down lineman and linebacker and maybe more of a linebacker, right? Yeah, he was kind of back and forth and in and out. But he didn't play any of the inside defensive line positions. He would play defensive end on a pass rushing situation there or play linebacker. And they moved him around at at linebacker. But I was actually drafted as a nose guard. Then they moved me to defensive end. Then they moved me to inside linebacker. And then they just started moving me all over the place. Carl, you have the distinction of having two of the coolest nicknames I've ever heard. (laughs) One is the albino rhino. And the other is the Snow Goose. Do you prefer either one of those? Are there more nicknames than just those two? What do you think? Do I prefer either one? No. And like most nicknames, those nicknames came from rather embarrassing situations that happened in my past and then, <laughs> and then followed me for life. So it, do you care to elaborate on either one of those situations? Not, not particularly, but it was, uh, yeah, it was co- college stuff that one of them followed me from Augustana to Minnesota, from Minnesota to, to Denver, the snow goose did. It's like if you, uh, open your locker and somebody put a rubber snake in there and you jump backwards and you trip and you hurt yourself. You're, you're the snake from the, for the rest of your life, right? <laughs> That's kind of one, it's one of those kind of things. You know, you mentioned it earlier, but you literally played seven positions sometimes in the same game. How would you prepare during the week when you didn't know from one or one moment to the next what slot you'd be in? What was your preparation like? You know, Rudy, I I was the defensive caller, the signal caller uh, on the team, and my main position was inside linebacker. I had to know what everybody was supposed to do anyway. I was unable to prepare for a specific guy that I was going to line up against, but I was able to prepare in a way that to understand the down and distance, the situation understanding you know what plays to expect usually I could find a guy or two who were going to give away whether it was a run or a pass based on their alignment or you know how, how they got in their stance or whatever so the preparation was probably pretty similar to guys that were preparing for one position it's just that I had to know everybody's and I had to remind myself you know mm-hmm. you have different footwork and different responsibilities in, in different places you line up so I, I had to remind myself I'm a defensive end and I have contain on this play if it's a pass I do this if it's a run I do that and then I'm ready to go. There's little doubt that you made the most of the ability that you have going from being a walk-on at Minnesota to obviously starring in the NFL and you're really on the doorstep of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Do you think about the Hall of Fame? What would that mean to you or how have you reconciled that in your mind, Carl? Uh, compartmentalized (laughs) (laughs) that too good word how come guys i used to whip up on are in and i'm not (laughs) you know it's a political thing i you know i have no control i can't make any more plays i had a great career but it was a different career like you said i played all those different positions and so then if if you look at it in in a retrospective aspect from from a distance and you're not somebody who saw me play uh, you'd say well his statistics aren't hall of fame statistics but they're they're spread out so much cuz cuz i played all these different positions so i would you know if 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 i played 
if I was a pass rusher every down, if I was a Von Miller kind of guy, I'd have had a whole bunch more sacks than I had because I, I, I was dropping off in coverage a bunch when I wasn't playing uh, in a pass rushing situation. So, uh, or, or, you know, middle linebacker, I probably would have had more, ta- definitely would have had more tackles. I definitely would have had more interceptions than I had. But once again, in passing situations, I was maybe pass rushing. So I, I, I didn't have those opportunities. So I think if there's any explanation in my mind, the reason I'm not in the Hall of Fame is probably the reason I should be in the Hall of Fame is because <laughs> I, I played so many different positions and, and my statistics look weird. Well, obviously, you had a ton of success either way, and we wish you luck getting in, man. I know in Dallas, you know, Drew Pearson has been on the outside looking in every year to try to get in, and the Dallas fans are cheering for him every chance they get to get to that next level. I'm sure the Bronco fans are similarly cheering for you to get in for sure. You know, in your speaking career, you talk a lot about the six keys to success. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. These were keys I learned in my football life, but they apply in your personal life and they apply in uh, your business life. I talk about teamwork with leadership being the ultimate expression of teamwork. Uh, courage, the courage to try new things and the courage to be decisive. And the decisive piece, that that's what allowed me to play the way I played in the NFL. I found out early on in my career, if I took the first step in the right direction before anybody else did, all the angles would change in my favor and the tight end couldn't pin me in, the guard couldn't cut me off, the fullback couldn't keep me from getting the line of scrimmage. Everything changed and it really didn't matter if I ran a 4940. <laughs> I was t- I was still taking that first step before anybody else. So that decisiveness is huge. Then I talk about dedication, which is hard work, constant learning, refusing to quit, desire. That's the the overriding dream, passion, mission, uh, honesty and forgiveness with yourself and self-evaluation and with others. And finally, goal setting, reasonable short-term specific steps that get you to those desires, those passions, those missions. So all my presentations are story-based and they're focused on the challenges that your organization or your your industry faces and tailored for the situation. So it's, uh, it's been a great career. I've, I've been a professional speaker for 15 years. It's longer than I played football. So <laughs> this is uh, this has been my career for a long time. And I, and, and, and I love it. Probably the thing I miss most about football is the adrenaline. That's hard to replicate. And, and, and truthfully, I think it's one of the reasons some players get in trouble when they get out of professional football is because they, they're missing that adrenaline and they find a way to fill that void illegally instead of legally. Uh, fortunately, I found speaking. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm, filling that, I'm filling that void legally and, and productively. <laughs> Carl, you mentioned the work that you're doing. How can people get in touch with you? How can they book you? How can they learn more about everything that you're doing in the public speaking realm? The easiest way is to go to my website. It's just carlmecklenburg.com. You can misspell it a few ways but (laughs) (laughs) and still get there. I'm available uh, on all the social medias, too. It's at Carl Mecklenburg on, on all those things, too. You mentioned some things in your early 50s, and Rudy and I are in our early 50s. You mentioned some of the concussions that you had and some of the ill effects. Is that still an issue for you? Are those things that uh, you've been able to overcome, or what's the situation today with those? Yeah, you know, that's not a problem for me at this point. I've learned to uh, to deal with them. I'm 60 now, and there's a lot of people who lose their keys when they're 60s. It's not just the concussions, right? <laughs> that's my explanation anyway. <laughs> but I... Uh, 
you know, truthfully, it hasn't been as big a problem as, as it could have been. And a lot of a lot of uh, ball players are having huge problems with the with this issue. And I'm, I'm glad the NFL has finally decided to take it seriously. The NFL and, and football as a whole is, is as safe as it's ever been as far as concussions go. And I'm happy for that because uh, nobody should have to sacrifice a huge chunk of their life to their business. You know, I mean, I love playing football. It was awesome. Uh, and I went in expecting to have sore knees when I was old. I, I wasn't expecting to not know my name, you know, so that mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I don't have that issue. Well, we wish you continued health and luck and success and all of those good things. And God willing, someday you'll be in Canton as well. I don't really understand how you're not already. Yeah. Um, the but the uh, have a real history, Tom, I mean. John Elway was the first Denver Bronco to get in the Hall of Fame. There's still that whole Orange Crush defense. The fact that Randy Gratishar is not in, that Louis Wright's not in. The list is just, I mean, unbelievable players and guys that were huge impacts on the league. Fortunately, the last few years, they've been slowly trickling guys in. I'm so proud and glad that my buddy Steve Atwater is going in. The fact that Dennis Smith is not in, his mentor, and and really the the guy that Steve patterned his career after, uh, it just shocks me. I mean, what an unbelievable dominant player Dennis was. And now I'm in the seniors group. So it's a different group of voters and, and hopefully that'll give me a better chance. Well, we hope so too. And uh, we wish you the best of luck and we thank you for your time. Thank you. Take care. Thanks, Carl. All right, man. Thanks, Carl. Bye-bye. Pleasure. Our thanks to Carl Mecklenburg. Remember, you can find him at carlmecklenburg.com. Rudy, let's dive right into number 77, We've got football guys and hockey guys abounding. Let's start with football, and I'll start with Orlando Brown Sr. Orlando Brown Sr. started 119 of 129 career games with the Ravens and Browns. And you remember, Rudy, he was famously hit in the eye with a flag and missed the entire 2000 season with an eye injury. He was also suspended indefinitely for pushing the referee, Jeff Triplett, the guy who actually threw the flag. He also wore number 78 when he was with the Ravens. And now his son, Orlando Jr., wears number 78 with the Ravens. So that's pretty cool. Unfortunately, Orlando Brown Sr. didn't live to see Orlando Jr. wear number 78. He died in 2011 at the age of 40 from complications from diabetes. But Orlando Brown Sr. deserves a recognition on our list, as does Stan Malden. Stan Malden played tackle for the Cardinals in the 40s. He won a championship with the Cardinals in 1947 and died of a heart attack after the opening game against the Eagles in 1948. And the Cardinals saw fit to retire his number 77 and give him that posthumous award. So Stan Malden begins the black cloud that hangs over number 77. Dick Shafrath is another player who deserves mention. Left tackle for the Browns teams of the 60s. He made six straight Pro Bowls in a 13-year career, was also a four-time All-Pro, and won an NFL championship with those powerhouse Browns teams. Who else do we have? Well, we got two good ones here. We got Jim Jeffcoat, longtime cowboy legend, really, replaced Harvey Martin as a defensive end and Here's a stat for you, man. In 1985, against the, at the time, the hated Washington football team. Notice how I correctly said Washington football team. Very nice. Very nice. Very smooth. Jeff Coat had 11 tackles and five sacks against super hated Joe Theismann. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Jeff Coat is a really solid player for the Cowboys. 
recorded over 100 sacks in his career and played 224 consecutive games in 15 NFL seasons. And what a, you know, really great 77. A.J. Dewey, one of my favorites, man. He was like Mecklenburg. He played, he came up as a defensive end. The Dolphins moved him to linebacker, played eight seasons for the Dolphins. Rookie of the Year in 1977, and probably the game he's most known for is the 1982 championship game against the Jets when he intercepted Richard Todd three times, including a pick six in the fourth quarter that got the Dolphins into the Super Bowl, which was the uh, Killer Bees era. That was the David Woodley quarterback era, but A.J. Dewey, man, he was phenomenal, but that's a good honorable mention list for football. Why don't we get to the contenders, one of whom we talked to earlier, Carl himself. (laughs) So, yeah, like we mentioned several times, man, talk about a guy that was a flexible player on defense, played seven positions, sometimes in the same game, made the defensive calls, as Carl told us, and uh, had to learn a bunch about a bunch of different positions to be able to do that. Not in the Hall of Fame yet. Not sure he's going to get in, but you know he was a mainstay at some really good defenses for Denver in the 80s and 90s. No Super Bowl wins, not necessarily his fault, but um, but uh, you know one of the greats. And hey, he's one of the greats because he talked to us for <laughs> you know 15, 20 minutes, which is awesome. So uh, who else we have on the contenders list? Absolutely. Well, Jim Parker is on the list, one of the all-time greats at both tackle and guard. He was a first-round pick of the Colts in 1958, so he blocked for Johnny Unitas during the glory years of Baltimore Colts football. He played 11 years, was an All-Pro and Pro Bowler eight times, won two championships, and is a member of both the College and Pro Hall of Fame. He's a member of the All-Decade Team of the 50s and was listed as number 24 on the 100 Greatest Players of All Time. His number 77 is obviously retired by the Colts. He also shares um, the same name as my best friend in seventh and eighth grade, Tom. So, um, yeah. And I remember we were reading, we loved football history and we came across a guy named Jim Parker because that was his name. And we're like, who's this guy? He's one of those unknown guys from that era that was just super duper important to those Colts teams and Johnny Unitas. But uh, yeah, Jim Parker, I'll always remember Jim Parker. So there you go. Well, shout out to Jim Parker from junior high, wherever he may be now. (laughs) Absolutely. I'll stick with uh, the contenders as well. Willie Rofe is on the list. Uh, One of the greatest tackles of all time, made 11 Pro Bowls in 13 years with the Saints and the Chiefs. The only years he didn't make it were his rookie year and 2001 where he was hurt. So he was really a mainstay for both of the teams that he played for. Nine-time All-Pro and member of both the college and pro football halls of fame. And I also have a Willie Rofe bendable action figure in my office, and I look at it daily. So there's that. Nicely done. Uh, Nicely done. Thank you. Who else do we have? We've got an offensive juggernaut. Uh, number 77 we got red grange yeah the galloping ghost the galloping ghost great nickname great name period red grange all about football he's in the inaugural (laughs) hall of fame class in college and pro football 
He's number 77, he's retired at the University of Illinois and with the Bears, where he starred for eight seasons. And he really revolutionized, in a lot of ways, professional football. He was really America's first big football star, somebody that people came to see, you know, the Babe Ruth, if you will, of that era. He was a two-time All-Pro, two-time NFL champion. And his cool nickname, which you mentioned, the Galloping Ghost, is actually name-checked in an LL Cool J song. That means you're an all-time freaking great, man. That's awesome. Absolutely. Anytime LL Cool J mentions your name, you know that you've, you've made it. So uh, forget about the three times being an All-American. Forget about the two championships and the All-Pro and being a, an American icon. LL Cool J. That's the thing that's going to kick you over the top for sure. Do you remember Red Grange, the galloping ghost? He could do a 95 running coast to coast. So we'll probably hear Red Grange's name again. Spoiler alert. But let's move on to hockey. And this is really the first time I think in the history of our podcast, Rudy, where we have hockey guys aplenty and big time hockey guys. So let's start with Pierre Turgeon who wore number 77 for all but two years of his 19-year career. He was the first player taken overall in the 1987 draft. He appeared in five All-Star games and won the Lady Bing Trophy, which is for sportsmanship, in 1993. He scored over 1,300 points in his career and is not yet in the Hall of Fame, which is surprising to me. But who else do we have on the list? Well, we've got Adam Oates, a Hall of Fame player. When he retired, he was fifth all-time in assists with over 1,079. He's the only player in history to play center for three 50-goal scorers, Brett Hall, Cam Neely, and Peter Bondra. He was elected to the Hall of Fame in 2012. He wore a bunch of numbers, but I think the number 77 he wore with the Caps, Flyers, Ducks, and Oilers is the number we're going to remember. He also wore just a number check, because that's what we do, man. We're number checkers. He also, yes, he also wore 34. He also wore 12, and he also wore 21. And I don't want to forget, he also coached the New Jersey Devils for one whole year. So that didn't go as well, but great player <laughs> and definitely on our list of contenders. But we've got three other 77s in hockey that are even better than those two guys. So who we got next? Phil Esposito, who is obviously one of the greatest players of all time. He played 18 seasons with Chicago, Boston, and New York. Uh, Number seven is really what he's more known for. His number seven is retired in Boston. But he did wear 77 for the Rangers from 1977 to 1981. So Phil Esposito, even though he's really known for number seven, gets name-checked here on the number 77 list. Absolutely. Our top three contenders in hockey all had amazingly long careers. So Paul Coffey, who wore 77 with... uh, Wait for it. The Penguins, the Kings, the Red Wings, the Whalers, the Flyers, the Blackhawks, and the Hurricanes. <laughs> he played 21 years, eight-time All-Star, three-time Norris Trophy winner, and a four-time Stanley Cup champ. Known for his uh, speed and his scoring, he ranks behind only the great Ray Bork, number 77, in career goals, assists, and points. He wore number seven for those great Oilers teams of the 80s, and his number seven is actually retired there. And he ended his Boston career where in 74 because guess what? Ray Bork wore 77. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a no-doubter, uh, elected in 2004. But Paul Coffey, a great 77, but we got one more that's probably just a little bit better, right? Yeah, Ray Bork, who we've mentioned, played 23 years for the Bruins and the Avalanche, was a 19-time All-Star, won the Norris Trophy five times, and also finished second for the Norris Trophy six other times. 
uh, was a Stanley Cup champion with Colorado. You may remember it took him forever to win a Stanley Cup and everyone really wanted the Avalanche to win that year. And they did for Ray Bork and it was great. Uh, he holds the NHL records for most career goals, assists and points by a defenseman. And he famously switched from number seven to number 77 when the Bruins retired number seven for Phil Esposito. If you remember, Rudy, he had the number seven sweater on. He took it off to reveal that he was number 77 and he kept that number throughout the rest of his career. He also was in the Hockey Hall of Fame as of 2004, which was his first year of eligibility. So Ray Bork is one of the all-time greats and certainly belongs on the list. Why don't you take the basketball list, okay. which only has three people, and maybe these are honorable mention guys and not contenders, and I'll yeah. take the baseball guys. Yeah, sure. You got the, uh, I think the great George Murison, um, only because he was in My Giant with Billy Crystal, <laughs> which is <Yep>. awesome. <laughs> but he wore 77 for a very uh, obvious, a very obvious reason. He was seven foot seven. He's the tallest player in NBA history. Not a bad player, actually. You know, he won the NBA Most Valuable, I'm sorry, Most Improved Player Award. Man, if he won the Most Valuable Player, that would have been something. That would have been something. Uh, wow. But, you know, a pretty serviceable player, seven foot seven. There's just so much you could do. Um, certainly a shot blocker, a rim protector, but the guy couldn't jump an inch off the ground. But it's 7-7, who cares? Definitely a 77 worth mentioning honorably, as we would say. Another player is Vladimir Rodmanovic. He has actually the longest tenured 77 in NBA history. Right. We got a guy We got a guy later we're going to talk about. I think it's going to be a longer tenured career, but he wore 77 for nine seasons with the Sonics, the Warriors, the Hawks, and the Bulls. He also wore number seven and number 10. Had a 12-year career. Eight points and four rebounds is not going to get you in the Hall of Fame, but he did make the all-rookie team in 2002. Our last guy is Andrea Barniarni, the number one pick for the Toronto Raptors in 2003. That did not work out very well. Two seasons, he wore 77 with the Knicks, where he averaged 14 points, respectable. Uh, wore seven with the Raptors, nine with the Nets. But then he went to Spain to play professional basketball because, you know, he wasn't that great. So three honorable mentions. We got two in baseball. One is a Hall of Famer. Go for it. Yeah. So the Hall of Famer is Ducky Medwick, who wore number 77 for two all-star seasons in Brooklyn. He played 17 years for four different teams, wore nine different numbers in a Hall of Fame career. Uh, he won the Triple Crown and the MVP in 1937 with the Gas House Gang Cardinals and was elected to the Hall of Fame in 1968 after waiting 20 years for induction. Uh, the other honorable mention guy on our list, Rudy, is Ivan Pudge Rodriguez, who wore number 77 for a total of 93 games with the hated Astros in 2009. He was actually traded to the Rangers that same season. He's obviously most famous for number seven, but he also wore number 12. He is a 14-time All-Star, 13-time Gold Glove winner, and he is a member of the Hall of Fame, even though he clearly, clearly used steroids in his career. So that's the baseball list. And so, Rudy, you know what time it is? I think it's that time, man. I think it's time for Screen Stars. It is time for Screen Stars, yes. And before we get started on Screen Stars, let me point out one little interesting, well, I guess you'll decide whether or not it's interesting or not. But the Take On Me video from AHA back in the day, which was animated and it was super cool and they were yep. good looking and the whole thing. Yep. The hero in the thing, if you remember, was a race car driver. 
And yep. his car was number 77. That is an amazing pull. That's we are that's, going so deep here. That's unprecedented. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it's unbelievable how deep we're going. But let's get oh, into screen oh, stars let's here. Do it. We've got let's four do it. people on the screen stars list. The number four is Romany Malco, who was absolutely excellent in the 40-year-old virgin. Unfortunately, the movie that he was in here, where he played Darren Roanoke, is a movie called The Love Guru, which came out in 2008, which is abysmal. It's horrible. It's a terrible, terrible movie. It is not a good rewatch. It's not a good watch. Just stay away from it. But Romany Malco, we love you and what you did with 40-Year-Old Virgin. So you're number four on the list. Number three is a gentleman named Christopher Severio, who played Brandon Burlesworth in the movie Greater from 2016. Brandon Burlesworth, we'll talk about a little bit later in the podcast. Number two, Abraham Ben Ruby, who played Bud Light Kaminsky in the program from 1993, a movie with James Caan uh, that was supposedly a treatise on modern college football. Ooh. So Abraham Ben Ruby as Bud Light Kaminsky comes in at number two. And number one, Jesu Garcia as Chirulo in Wildcats from 1986. The very same movie, Rudy, that included the LL Cool J song that name-checked the Galloping Ghost. He could do a 95 going coast to coast. So that's our Screen Stars list. Jason Garcia, congratulations. Go to the window and pick up your prize as Chirulo from Wildcats in 1986. You know, let me have a couple moments here. One, let's talk about the program real quick. Is the program the college football version of any given Sunday yes. for the NFL. Yes. The worst, worst possible reflection of what is happening. Like the director, writer really never watched or n understood anything about college football, but decided to write a movie about it. And the outcome was the program, which is so stupid and obtuse. <laughs> Yeah, and it's every football top. cliche you can think of, yeah. and then occasionally a Halle Berry scene. Halle Berry's <laughs> in the movie too, which there's nothing wrong with that. But yeah, it's, with every, that. Yes. it's every college football cliche you can think of. You know, coaches who don't care, players who are on steroids or on drugs or on this or on that. It's a whole thing. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not good. <laughs> but Wildcats, Wildcats, you know, it's the big screen debut for not only Woody Harrelson, but also Wesley Snipes. So that's pretty cool. And they got together yeah. again for White Men Can't Jump and the whole thing like that. So that's yeah. pretty cool. And that's kind of a cool movie in a way. You know, it's Goldie yeah. Hawn doing her okay. thing but she okay. still had the fastball okay. it's not okay. it's not terrible it's okay it's a good number one for sure i mean why well, you can't put the program up there but yeah the, i just program i've always had a problem with james con playing that role i've always had a problem with bud light kaminsky i just it's one of those movies that man it would have been cool if they got it right right those are one of those movies like <laughs> days of thunder days of thunder would have been great if they got it right you know any given sunday would have been awesome if they got it right and they got it so wrong and don't even get me started about the movie pearl harbor but if they got it so wrong <laughs> i was so excited about the movie until i saw the movie. anyway let's go on let's move on let's let's move on to the hall of shame and the Derek rose award and yeah. i have to say that it's a real bummer when I started yep. to look into some of the stuff. Let, let me talk a little bit about the Derek Rose Award, Rudy, and then why don't you jump in with Hall of Shame. 
two guys who are less known. One is Brandon Burlesworth, a gentleman who was a walk-on at Arkansas, eventually became All-SEC and an All-American and was drafted by the Indianapolis Colts and looked like he might have even been a starter. But unfortunately, he was killed in a car accident just a few days after the draft. And so there's a movie called Greater, which is about his life. But that might be something that you want to look into. Uh, Speaking of movies, there's a documentary out right now called A Good Man, The Jim Tyrer Story. And Jim Tyrer was an offensive tackle who played 14 years for the Chiefs and the Washington football team. He was a nine-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro. Unfortunately, in 1980, he killed his wife and he killed himself leaving his four children to go live with their grandparents. Jim was on the verge of going to the Hall of Fame. And because of what happened, he is not a member of the Hall of Fame. And he was later subsequently found to have CTE. So they think that maybe he was one of the early guys in terms of having CTE and the ill effects from that. So look up Jim Tyrer and look up Brandon Burlesworth. Um, The guys that we really do want to talk about, though, Lyle Alzado. Lyle Alzado wore number 77 throughout a 15-year career with the Broncos, Browns, and Raiders. You heard Carl Mecklenburg mention Lyle in the interview. He's a two-time All-Pro at defensive end. He won a Super Bowl with the Raiders in 1984 and was one of the first major sports figures to announce steroid use, uh, along with the Steelers' Steve Corson, who ironically also wore number 77. Alzado admitted in the last year of his life that he started taking steroids in 1969 and never stopped. He died of a brain tumor in 1992 at the age of 43. And he believes that steroid use created the lymphoma that ultimately took his life. So Lyle Alzado was a tragic figure in the steroid era of the NFL. But the Derrick Rose Award this time goes to Corey Stringer, uh, an All-American offensive tackle at Ohio State first-round draft pick with the Vikings in 1995. He started 91 of 93 career games from 95 to 2000. And after his Pro Bowl season in 2000, he came to training camp. And on the second day of training camp, he suffered heat stroke and actually died as a result of heat stroke. His death brought about major changes in heat stroke prevention at all levels of football. So there is a bit of a silver lining. He is in the Vikings ring of honor and his number 77 is retired by the team, but he only got five years, Rudy, in the NFL, and he looked like he might have been one of the all-time greats. So unfortunately, Corey Stringer is our Derrick Rose Award winner. Who is our Hall of Shamer this time around? Man, that was dark. <laughs> that was, <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of bummed out. <laughs> that was a dark Derrick Rose Award uh, list, but a uh, good list. That was dark. Um, well, speaking of dark, our Hall of Shamer is none other than Tony Mandarich. Speaking of steroids, drafted second overall. Second overall, an offensive yeah. tackle who was in the Heisman race when he played offensive tackle for Michigan State. By the way, he wore number 79 at Michigan State, played three extraordinarily forgettable seasons, and was out of the NFL by 1991. He did come back with Indianapolis in 96, wearing his old Michigan State 79. Had three pretty productive seasons, but perhaps, perhaps, he's certainly in the history of the draft considered one of, if not the worst draft pick, this side of Ryan Leaf. Famously on the cover of Sports Illustrated while he was at Michigan State, obviously not only steroids, but battled some pretty serious addiction problems. Actually, all addiction problems are serious. Uh, He's now a professional photographer 
And hopefully, you know, he's found a good good patch. But, man, that guy was so hyped coming out of Michigan State. And, uh, obviously, the hype – the Packers believed the hype. They jumped all over him and um, passed on a lot of other guys that year in that draft. But uh, it didn't work out. But certainly, certainly a Hall of Shamer if there ever was one. Man, yeah. we've got some pod. Let's get some light. Let's shine some <laughs> bright lights. We've yes. had some negatives or some darkness. Let's go to the heat check. We'll turn the heat check lights. We're going to disinfect this podcast with yep. heat check. These are a bunch of dudes who are really, really making some waves in their in their various sports. So I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Let's start at the bottom and I'll work our way to the top. Go. Number nine on our list is Mikai Becton, who was the 11th pick overall by the Jets this year. He ran a 5-140 at 364 pounds. 364 pounds, runs a 5'140". Uh, he wore number 70 in high school, wore number 73 as a standout at Louisville. Uh, and 73 is obviously retired by the Jets for Joe Klecko. So he decided he wanted to try something new, and he decided to wear number 77. So Mikai Becton is just a few games into his professional career. Nonetheless, people have very high expectations for him. The next guy on the list is a gentleman named Trent Brown who is 6'8 and 380 pounds. He is the heaviest player in the NFL. He's also one of the highest paid offensive linemen in the league. He's in his second year with the Raiders. Uh, This is his third team, Rudy, in six years. He spent time with San Francisco and New England. He was a pro bowler last year and won a Super Bowl the year before with New England. So Trent Brown is somebody to keep an eye on. Who else is on our list? Well, you know, Michigan football is not known for winning big games of late, but they are known for creating fantastic offensive tackles. Jake Long, (laughs) John Jansen, and our guy Taylor Lewan played seven seasons with the Tennessee Titans. So that means he probably has COVID right now. (laughs) He's he's a three-time pro bowler and really good tackle for the Titans, a very run-focused team, obviously. The sixth guy is a baseball guy. And a 77 is an odd number for a baseball guy. But Clint Frazier, if you believe the hype, and there's always hype associated with the Yankees. This guy's the real deal. I think he is. He's a good player. Now in his fourth season with the Yankees, he switched from 30 to 77 because he thought it would be cool to have a double number like his idol, Aaron Judge, who obviously wears number 99, uh, stands out in right field and probably just hurt his hamstring with me saying something about him. He's a toolsy guy who's played left field, right field, and DH. And he's the guy the Yankees are always rumored to be trading for some pitching help. But so far, so good. Still on the Yankees. Is that our only baseball guy? On he's the our list? only baseball he's guy baseball on the list. Well, 77 is a baseball number. That's a rough one. That's a tough one. No, that's and tough. so he, and he did it on purpose. So that's kind yep. of interesting for yeah, him. Like um, you know, they've got a 77, they've got a 99, they've got a backup catcher who's 66. Yep. I would imagine somebody's going to jump in there and grab 88 at some point. Yep. Um, maybe they'll get Luis Robert and he'll come over and, and wear <laughs> 88 or something like that. Yeah. Number five on the list, we've talked about him before, but we can't talk about him enough. TJ Oshi. He's an American hero. He is a legend for beating the Soviets, or not the Soviets. He's a legend for beating the Russians in always the Olympics. The yes, always, always the Soviets. Yeah, sure. Why not? Well, the Soviet, Soviet, always the Soviet. Man. Yeah, and as yeah. we mentioned before, he changed from 74 to 77 when he went from St. Louis to the Washington Capitals. So, TJ Oshie, we tip our hats yet again to you 
an American hero, as is Andrew Whitworth, a four-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro at offensive tackle. He is in his 15th season. He is old as the hills. He played 11 years in Cincinnati, now four with the Rams. He started all but four games he's been available for in his career, and those four games were all in his rookie year, 2006. So Andrew Wetworth is on the list, as is Victor Hedman, a defenseman for the Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning, four-time All-Star, winner of the Norris and Smythe trophies. He's played 11 years, and they've all been in Tampa. Which leaves us only two guys on the list, and Rudy, you have a connection to both of them because they play in your very city. So talk a little bit about the top two guys. Top two guys are both Dallas guys. One's a Cowboy, one's a Maverick. First one's Tyron Smith, the ninth overall pick in 2011, considered by many the best offensive tackle for several years. He has had some injury problems of late, but when he's in there and when he's good and when he's healthy, man, he is a... He's a road grader. He's a member of the 2010s All-Decade Team, seven-time Pro Bowler. I'm not sure how big a deal Pro Bowler is, by the way, but a two-time <laughs> All-Pro, and that's a bigger deal. <laughs> but Tyron Smith, a, a really good 77. But our number one 77 is, without a doubt, the, the best 77 going is Luka Doncic. What a great two seasons this guy has put together. Maverick fans pinch themselves every morning. We have Luka Doncic. And the Hawks have Trey Young. <laughs> we have Luka Doncic and the Hawks have Trey Young. So obviously it's going to be a draft remembered probably much like the Michael Jordan draft. I don't think that's hyperbole. I mean, the Michael Jordan draft is like the Sam Bowie draft, right? Yep. Um, everybody, oh, they, I can't believe they passed on that. Well, then they, you know, Houston picked Olajuwon. So Olajuwon gets a pass because he's a great player. He's not Michael. You know, I mean, what would that have meant to Houston? Maybe, I don't know. Trey Young is a really good player, but he isn't in a, he's not in a zip code of this guy. Luca is mature beyond his years. Great passer, great scorer. He can get to the basket whenever he wants. He controls the game at such a young age. It's only through his second season. He's already been a playoff hero, which he was in the bubble. Man, the sky's the limit for this guy. And his jersey number and his jersey are already hot commodities around the NBA, not just in Dallas. But this guy looks like one of the best players, period. End of sentence ever. Luka is our number one heat check. And that brings us to the Hall of Fame. Drum roll, please. We've got yes. five legends, one of whom is still playing, which is awesome. Let's go from five to one, Tom. Who is number five on our Hall of Fame list? Number five is Nasty, Willie Rofe. His number 71 is retired at Louisiana Tech, along with fellow Hall of Famers Terry Bradshaw and Fred Dean. He played both left and right tackle and was named to the NFL's all-decade team of the 1990s and the 2000s. An interesting note, Rudy, Willie Rope's mother is the first black woman to serve on the Arkansas Supreme Court. So how about that? Good note. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Number four is Paul Coffey, who, as we mentioned, wore number 77 with the Penguins, Kings, Red Wings, Whalers, Flyers, Blackhawks, and Hurricanes. 21-year career, really a terrific player unfortunately played in the same era as Ray Bork, who we'll talk about (laughs) in a minute. Uh, Otherwise he probably would have more accolades than he already has, but yet he's still in the hall of fame. So Paul Coffey is number four. Who's number three. Well, number three is a guy we were talking about. who's still playing, just started playing actually, but he's already worth it to us to put him on the all time 77 list. And that's Luka Doncic. The guy's averaging 25, nine and seven. 
He's not the greatest shooter yet, but man, when he figures that out, it is unstoppable and that'll happen. That's going to happen within the next two to three years. He's going to start, you know, if he gets closer to 40% from three, good luck. It's going to be his, his NBA perhaps, but he is number three on our list right now. He might be number one, maybe someday. Uh, We got a good number one and number two though. So who is number two on our list? Number two is Ray Bork. Uh, He won a Stanley Cup in his final NHL game, as we mentioned earlier, considered by many to be the greatest defenseman in the NHL since Bobby Orr. Longest serving captain in Bruins history. His number 77 is retired in both Boston and Colorado. And he's one of just nine players to have a number retired by two different teams. Ray Bork was just a terrific, terrific player and certainly is deserving of being mentioned on this list. But number one, Rudy, is who? Number one is the great galloping ghost himself, Red Grange. He was a one of the first um, most notable football heroes in American life, the Babe Ruth of the football world. Um, as recently as 2008, he was named the greatest college football player of all time. Sorry, Tim Tebow. Um, <laughs> he was also the first well-known athlete to become a successful broadcaster. Did sports on TV and radio for 25 years and the first person other than a referee to toss a coin at a Super Bowl. How about that? <laughs> That's yeah. cool. Red um, Range is Red- Americana, man. Yeah, he's all around it. He should have run for office. Maybe actually this year it would have fit right in. (laughs) But Red Grange is number one on our list of 77s. And once again, once again, it actually doesn't matter what number we pick. It's a good number. And 77 is a really good number. We start to get into these things, you know, and and some of the numbers that we throw out, I'm like, God, there's nothing there. And then you start to dive into it and like, wow, there's really a lot here. And there's really interesting stories. Really pretty good number overall. I'm pretty happy with it. How about you? I'm thrilled with it. And now we got Luca to carry 77 into the future, man. I really hope he stays with 77. He he obviously wears 77 because he wanted to wear number seven and that was taken. And so now he just, he went to 77. I hope he keeps it. I hope he doesn't ever change to seven or anything like that. I hope he keeps 77 throughout his career. That would be so cool. For Dallas fans, (laughs) we just hope he stays here with the way the NBA is now when he's up for free agency, it's going to be the wild West. Everybody's going to want him. Hopefully he's loyal to the team. What pretty much no other NBA player has been other than maybe (laughs) Steph Curry recently. (laughs) So we'll see how that goes, but he is a 77 to take us into the future. So, Hey man, good show. Yeah. Nicely done. Well, that's it for this edition of putting up numbers. Our thanks to the snow goose, Carl Mecklenburg, check him out on carlmecklenburg.com. Remember, you can also get show notes and more at our website, puttingupnumbers.com. And as you prepare to go to the polls this year, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our little podcast in your very own home. We'll be back soon with another edition. Until then, I'm Tom Davis. And I'm Rudy Klanick. And we'll see you next time on Putting Up Numbers.